Good morning, Hope Church. Really good to be with you this morning. Let's start with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness. Thank you that you lead us in triumphal procession. And Lord, I pray today, would you encourage us? Would you speak to us in Jesus' name? Amen. Well, we come now to our seventh session on the seven churches. And this week we look at Philadelphia. So we've got two churches left that we need to look at. And this is Philadelphia. We're moving on from Sardis that we looked at last week. Uh, Philadelphia is some 36 miles southeast of Sardis, so we're continuing around in this uh, journey of the churches. Philadelphia was a strategic city. It connected Pergamum to South Asia Minor and it was a kind of gateway through to lots of other places. It was also known as Little Athens because of its many temples. It was seen as a missionary city not missionary in terms of what we would think as Christians, but missionary in terms of them wanting to spread paganism. The Lexham Bible Dictionary tells us this about Philadelphia's missionary aspect. It was founded to promote a certain unity of spirit, customs and loyalty within the realm, the apostle of Hellenism in an oriental land. Now, although the name has changed, the city is still in existence today. Today, if you look at a map of Turkey, it is called Alizehia, uh, and you can find that if you have a look. Uh, the Lexham Bible Dictionary goes on to tell us this about Philadelphia. It says, Philadelphia was located roughly 20 miles southwest of a volcano named Kate Kekalmeni, or modern Kula in a region prone to seismic activity. An earthquake in AD 17 badly damaged the city, prompting Emperor Tiberius to remit taxes for five years to many of the region's cities, including Philadelphia, so they could be rebuilt. Uh, Strabo in his geography describes the damage done by seismic activity in the region. However, he claims that it is because of the volcanic activity that the region is filled with nutrient-rich soil. The rich soil that it had in that area made it ideal for growing grapevines. And winemaking was a local industry and played a major role in its economic well-being. Philadelphia was also known for having pillars that lined the main street. These pillars were to honour people, and people were honoured by having their name and the emperor's name who honoured them written on the pillar for all citizens to see. You'll see how that ties in as we read through to the letter to Philadelphia. So let's turn to the letter now and see what Jesus says to the church in Philadelphia. Uh, this is Revelation 3 verse 7 to 13. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. Look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, 
those liars who say they are Jews but are not, to come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones I love. Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God. They will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Now this letter is a tremendous relief. After the previous five letters, all issuing a complaint from Jesus to those churches, as I was beginning to wonder, maybe you were as well, whether any church was going to get it right. Now I hope you notice that this letter contains no complaint from Jesus. These guys have got it right. It is a letter that recognises their faith. It gives them some instruction and it encourages them to remain true. The fact that Jesus identifies himself as the one who is holy and true in verse 7 is a recognition that this church was also holy and true to Jesus. I also love the complete sovereignty of Jesus in this letter. In Revelation 1.18 we're told that Jesus holds the keys to death and hell. It's encouraging to know that Jesus' keychain contains some other keys. In fact, right here to the letter to Philadelphia, Jesus tells them that he has the master key. His key can open anything and it can also shut anything. This is a real demonstration of the sovereignty of Jesus Christ. Only Jesus can shut and open all doors, including death and hell. Here also we come across that now familiar phrase, I know. Jesus acknowledges all the things they are doing. Often society only acknowledges the big names. During the pandemic of this last year, the NHS has been repeatedly publicly honoured, and rightly so. But they haven't been the only ones who've been sacrificial hard workers. Many people in different industries, from firemen, police, delivery service, just to mention a few, have likewise been amazing in their service and hard work. But sadly, these have received practically no recognition. What is encouraging here is to see that Jesus sees. He highlights specifically that the Philadelphians, that he saw what they were doing. Even if it wasn't big named, he saw it. And he highlights that these guys had obeyed his word and they did not deny him. Jesus also recognised that they did this when they had little strength, as he mentions in verse 8. The call of Jesus is not fame, it's not success, but it's faithfulness. As a further encouragement, Jesus tells them, I have opened a door for you that no one can close. Now this could refer to a number of things, including a place in heaven, a place in the New Jerusalem, entrance to his temple, 
or the completed work of salvation. Although when we look at a similar reference that Jesus makes to the Laodicean church that we've not looked at yet, in Revelation 3.20, he says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. So it seems that this open invitation, this open door to the church in Philadelphia was more to do with personal fellowship with Jesus. Jesus is highlighting to them, my door is open. You can come in any time and fellowship with me. Now that's an amazing encouragement. Just think about that. The king of all creation, Jesus Christ, saying, guys, you are doing well. You can come and see me any time. The door is always open to you. Now, Jesus' approval um, of this church doesn't mean that they had it easy. And no complaint from Jesus doesn't mean that it's plain sailing for the church. Verse 9 highlights a conflict that they had with the Jewish synagogue. This is very reminiscent to the troubles that the Smyrnian believers had um, in their church. Again, as in Smyrna, Jesus calls this particular synagogue Satan's synagogue. It's important to note that it is Jesus who determines those who are his. There are many religions and many faith-based groups, and yet ultimately it is Jesus who determines those that belong to him. People often argue about who is right and who is wrong, but what is clear here is that the faithful obey Jesus' word and they do not deny him. There's also a word of encouragement from Jesus about persevering. Persevering is hard work. This year, for many of us, has been hard work. The hard part is that we don't know for how long we need to persevere. And there's also the challenge that perseverance doesn't seem to have a short-term payoff. And yet, for the Philadelphian believers, the payoff is being saved from the coming test that is coming on the whole world. Think about Jesus says, you've obeyed me, you've been faithful to me, and I am going to protect you from a test that is coming on the whole world, but you will be protected from it. I think that's just amazing. And that is because they had obeyed Jesus and they had obeyed that command. He said, guys, you need to persevere. Perseverance is perhaps the biggest challenge in this letter. Now, I want to make a short aside here. This verse, verse 10, has often been used to talk about the pre-tribulation rapture that people believe about, or rapture in general. Now, I'm not going to talk about the rapture today. That's not something I want to chat about. But I want to make a general comment about this verse in this context. The Philadelphian church were told that they would be saved from a coming tri trial that was coming on the whole world, or a coming test. The Philadelphian church was not saved from persecution that followed. That is really clear for us today that can look back at their church's history. What seems more probable as to the meaning of that verse is that Jesus will help them through persecution. Now, this is mentioned elsewhere in the Bible. In John 17 verse 15, for example, Jesus says, 
I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. And then in 1 John 5 verse 18, we're told, we know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning, for God's son holds them securely and the evil one cannot touch them. Certainly for the believers in Philadelphia, there was persecution and martyrdom, but Jesus did not desert them. Let me be really clear here. Jesus walks with us through trials and difficulties. He doesn't sometimes save us out of them, but he walks with us through them so that we can handle them. The Philadelphian believers still have a road ahead of them. In verse 11, Jesus encourages them that there is a crown that is waiting for them. Jesus has a crown prepared for his faithful band of believers, but he also sends them a word of caution. He says in verse 11, hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. This theme of perseverance needing to hold on is really important. Jesus says to them, I am coming soon, and that was 2,000 years ago. If they fail to hold on, they forfeit their crown. They must persist as we must persist. Again, as is mentioned in previous messages in this series, it is about long vision. The end is not yet. It's not over until it's over. So how do we apply this letter? A lot of application has already been mentioned. Jesus commends faithfulness and perseverance. Jesus sees what no one else sees. He sees the work that people do in his kingdom that nobody recognizes. And Jesus has a reward that is prepared for those who make it all the way to the end. These things should prove to be a great encouragement to us all. It's not about being superstars. It's not about ushering in a revival. It's about remaining true to Jesus and to his teaching. It is significant that Jesus recognized that the Philadelphian believers had little strength. In the letter to the church of Pergamum and Thyatira, Jesus addressed their perspective in financial well-being. We quoted Craig Keener in his commentary on Revelation who said, to whom do we ultimately look for our well-being? And that's really important where we're looking at economic or financial well-being. But here in Philadelphia, in a church that possesses little strength, the question is more to do with power. Do we actually depend on God's power, especially where we are powerless? It is evidently clear that the faithful to Jesus are always going to be a minority, and there is a cost to being faithful. For the Philadelphian believers, it meant exclusion from the Jewish synagogue and possibly persecution. We've seen in other churches that we have looked at that there is always a cost for being faithful to Jesus. Either the cost is economically or the cost is socially. But this is a two-headed thing. On the one hand, it means that being faithful means we are excluded in the world, but on the other hand, it means that we are included with Christ. It means an open door to Jesus anytime. It means a reward from him. 
a reward that includes a crown, being honoured, being provided for eternally, being given new clothes and a new status and a new name, and it ultimately leads us to an eternal home with the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And this has to be our perspective. Whilst on earth we might be excluded, yet on earth we still have Jesus constantly with us. We are not alone. We are not orphans left to fend for ourselves. Not only is Jesus with us, but he leads us through. Through what, you may ask? Through times of trial, through dark valleys, through attacks from Satan. He always brings us out stronger. There is great value in being faithful. And here the Church of Philadelphia shows us the way. So let me encourage you this morning. Jesus sees you. He knows what you are going through and he encourages you, persevere. He opens a door for you no matter where you are, no matter what the time, he opens a door for you in fellowship with him. He is always with you and he will lead you through as you remain faithful to him. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for your faithfulness. I want to thank you that you are always with us. I want to thank you, Jesus, that you have not left us alone. And whatever darkness, whatever trials, whatever difficulties, I want to pray that we would know your presence leading us through. Lord, we look to you. You are our king. Our allegiance is to you. And we look for you to continue to guide us. We thank you for the testimony of the Philadelphian believers to persevere. And I pray for all of your people that you would help us to be persevering in all that you call us to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a really great day.